Let's pray together. Father, we want to be hearers of your word. We want to be doers of your word. So that we are blessed in our lives, as James mentions. And we're reflecting a greater and greater Christ-likeness. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians 4. We'll be reading a portion of the chapter together. And while you're turning there, listen there. As I read from John chapter 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is speaking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Our relationships with one another has a tremendous impact upon each other, but upon an unbelieving world. And in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, Paul talks about being in Christ. In 4, 5, and 6, he talks about living in Christ in our daily relationships. In chapter 2, we spent some time on the fact that through Christ, the middle wall partition between the Jew and the Gentile was broken down, between the rich and the poor, the haves, the have-nots, between the technological savvy and those that don't use technology at all. You know, in Christ, there is peace. In chapter 3, the body of Christ becomes or is to manifest, rather, the wisdom of God to the spirit world. And in chapter 4, he talks about some relationships. Ephesians 4 and verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we, will, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up to him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
Our relationships are the evidence that we are the body of Christ. That is, disciples of Christ. Relationships can be messy. And I think they will be messy until the day we go to be with the Lord. So we need to give up the thinking that relationships will get to the point where there's no messiness and accept the fact that relationships will have a degree of messiness and struggle as long as we're on this earth. And that ultimately drives us to Christ. And I think also that you will find relationships are the primary area of attack of the enemy, Satan. He just attacks relationships. And I think we can all look at the past and say, I blew it in a relationship. But our focus this morning is not on the past. Our focus on the, this morning is in the present and how we live in the future. So there's some applications that I may give this morning. You may say, well, I didn't do it in the past. We're not worrying about the past. We're living in the present and the future. I think we can all look at our past and say, I blew it here. I blew it there. I blew it in the next way. We can't change that. We let Christ deal with that. We let that be under the blood of Christ. We live in the present and the future. In the last couple of weeks, we particularly focused on verses 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But then he goes on in the verse and say, or in the passage and he says, God has given gifts to believers And some of the gifts that he gave are apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. And those gifts are to equip believers to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry he's talking about there is not within the four walls of the building only. That may be part of it. He's talking about day-by-day living, relating to your family, going to your job, going shopping, the way we live day by day. And then he says, until we, or so that the body of Christ may be built up in verse 13, until we reach unity in the faith. In 14, he says, we'll no longer be infants, but rather we'll grow up as we speak the truth to one another. And it is, each part of the body does its work. So this morning we want to think about how Ephesians 4 might look in life. Being humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. What it looks like to be doing works of service, speaking the truth, each believer doing his or her part. So some possible applications. Our response We share our heart, our attitude, our motives, our thinking, our beliefs, rather than withdrawing. If someone is to be humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another, and we strive to keep keep the unity of the Spirit, that means we need to be willing to be open and share. We may want others to give, 
but have we shared so others can give? We have to be willing to share our lives. Don't wait for others to come to you and ask, say, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? The body shares. And if you're in Sunday school, you know, going over some of the one another's, opening and being willing to share. So Daniel walks up to Tom and says, Tom, I want to share, you what ha- share with you what happened to me this week. Here's a great thing that happened in my life. I want to share this victory. Rick walks up to uh, Lee and says, Lee, I just want you to know, you've been retired, retired quite a few years. I've been retired now for a few weeks, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. <clears throat> no, not waiting for someone necessarily to come to us, but being willing to reach out and share our lives with others. Like someone came to me this week and said, Pastor, I've got a real deep burden. And the person said to me, I, I struggle with coming to church. And I said, why do you struggle with coming to church? And the individual shared why they struggle with coming to church. And it wasn't that we were difficult or anything. It's just some, something they're going through. I wouldn't have known that if the person had not shared it. We share, we interact with one another. But that freedom is there because we bear with one another. We accept one another. But another response, if we're going to be patient, we're going to be humble, we bear with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, we also need to be willing to listen to others rather than speak only of ourselves. Now notice the word only. We share ourselves, but we're also willing to listen, and we seek to listen. So you come to church. Do you come to a service with an antenna thinking, I'm going to ask Lorraine a question, and then I'm just going to listen. I'm going to go visit Curtis or go out to lunch with him and ask him some questions. How are you doing in life? Tell me about school. Tell me about your family. And then I'm just going to listen. See, our modern technology, and please do not take this as knocking modern technology. If we're not careful, it tends to move us away from listening. Face to face. Just the point of listening. You can text someone, and that is fine. You may have Facebook, but they can't see that you're listening. Again, I'm not knocking those items, but just the whole issue of listening. If I'm going to be patient with someone, if I'm going to be humble and gentle, that involves a willingness to listen. And at points in time, and again, Depends on what's happening with technology. There are points in time that we need to be with others face to face rather than non-personal. And I'm not saying throw away your phones. I'm not saying throw away any other technology. I'm just saying we need face to face sometime. 
So if you are going through a deep trial and you humbly share that with someone, you might, depends on the person, might want a hug from them. Or you might want to say, let me pray with you. You might enjoy or appreciate if they just cry with you. But that being in the context of humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, the body doing the work, but that's face to face. Last week in Sunday school class, I shared one of the times that I felt loved. After I had my hernia surgery, by the time I got home, I was in great pain. And uh, Ruthann had called Jason, modern technology, which is good, and said, Jason, will you meet us at the house? Dad will never make it up the steps himself. Jason could have called and said, Dad, I just want you to know, I hope you have a good time making up the steps. <laughs> but he came in person, and he helped me up the steps, got me situated, and left. And then there's another little person that came along. Ashley came by. She handed me a card and left. She said, thinking about your pap, and then later on I read the card. What is my point? Those two people came in person. There are points in life as we're striving to care for one another, doing the work of the ministry, we need someone there in person. A phone call can be good. A text can be good. But sometimes we just need someone in person. That's part of being humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another and maintaining the unity of the Spirit. I remember talking to an individual. There had been a conflict between myself and another person. I was talking to them face to face. We resolved it. I'm glad that was face to face. Because that was needed as we expressed the one another's. We admit we need others to be holy rather than practice island living. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, speaking the truth in love, each part of the body doing its work. What's that require? Others. Not being an island. We need others. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to prepare God's people for, for works of service so that the body may be built up. In chapter 5, he talks about love. In chapter 4 and 15, he says, speaking the truth in love. Not being an island. We need others. A number of years ago, Ruthann had a nervous breakdown. I guess that's the terminology that can be used.
I didn't know what to do. Do I cart her off to some hospital? What do I do? And I finally said, honey, I'm going to tell you what you're doing. I'm not asking you what you want to do. I'm telling you what you're doing. And that was appropriate in the circumstance. I said, you're going down to my mom and dad's. And you're going to stay there until I come and get you. I had the kids at home yet. Keep that in mind at that point in time. I called mom and mom said, that's okay. Dad, I don't know what his response was. He didn't really say, but mom said, bring her down. So she went down. She hung out with mom and dad for a week. And the next weekend I went down. And we talked some. And obviously she came through that very difficult period of life. Because she chose not to be an island. She interacted with my mom, my dad, to some extent. I interacted with her when she came home. There were some people that she interacted with and loved her. But if she had gone off alone... I'm not sure what have happened, would have happened. Think about life. We need someone to share our joys. A joy shared is much greater than a joy kept to ourselves. A struggle shared spreads the burden around rather than carrying it ourselves. We need someone to speak the truth into our life. As he says in verse 15. We tend to be islands, but we need one another. We give, we give to others according to their need rather than our comfort zone. What is their need? Well, I don't feel comfortable in giving to this person. They're an old fogey that's over the hill, that's out of sync with how culture lives today. Reach out with love and concern. You say, I can't do that. Ephesians 3 says, there's a power at work in you beyond what you can ask or comprehend. Someone is going through a deep trial physically, and you say, I don't know how to relate to that. I've never been through one. At least not very great. God, by your grace, I will get out of my comfort zone, and I will reach out. Someone's got to do that. That's part of being the body. Bearing with someone that you might have a struggle with. Another response we receive, we accept from others. Rather than handling life ourselves. Don't answer this question to me, at least, or out loud. Have you ever thought, I can handle this? And you just go plowing through something yourself. And God says, I didn't want you to handle that yourself. I gave you a body. Be willing to share. How about the whole issue of advice? Are we open to receiving a rebuke, advice from someone? 
That's part of being humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another. That's speaking the truth in love. And we're willing to receive, willing to accept from others. It might be help from someone else. Within the last year, I saw a circumstance where an individual came up to another and said, I want to give you some money. And the person that was giving the money didn't have a lot, and the person who had, was receiving the gift had more. And the person who was to receive the gift said, I don't want it. I don't need it. You need it more than I do. And the person giving the gift said, Are you going to deprive me of the joy of giving? See, that's willingness to receive, you know, accept from others what they may choose to give. In other cases, it might be advice. We're willing to hear a person out. We're willing to hear out a person who wants to speak the truth to us in love. That's living out, being humble and gentle, patient. We pursue others rather than waiting for them to come to us. We pursue others rather than waiting for them to come to us. Do you ever whine and complain about someone else not coming to you? Or did you go to them? (laughs) Someone is drifting from the Lord. Well, someone else will go to them. Maybe you need to go and talk to them. There's a barrier in a relationship between you and another another person. You know there's a barrier. They know it. You know it. You think, well, they need to come to me. But you go to that believer and you try to resolve it. You make the effort rather than waiting for them. Do you ever interact with someone and you notice over a period of time they seem to just kind of get more silent? Over the weeks they just don't respond to you the way they had in the past? You kind of get the silent treatment? Maybe they're going through a difficulty. Maybe they're angry at you. But reach out. Don't wait for them to come to you. You see someone hanging with the wrong crowd. We'll pick on a younger person this time. You see JT hanging with the wrong crowd. Or you're aware of it. You think, well, I hope his parents say something to him. But you in love say, JT, beware and share some counsel. Now, being willing to pursue others. Where would we be if people did not pursue us? Stop and think about that. If someone hadn't pursued you at points in time, where would you be? So my point is, don't sit back and wait on someone else to pursue. You'd be willing to pursue others. That's part of being humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another. Another one, we just act aggressively rather than setting back with passivity. Now, when I say act aggressively, I'm not talking you are attacking someone. 
You're being intentional in reaching out to others. If you're observant at all, and I'm encouraging you to do this, observe people. Look around this morning and after church and tonight or next Sunday when you're with other people, it might be in the job, and observe who seems to be just not quite their self. And in deep humility, with deep concern, go and talk to them. Don't passively sit back. Reach out to others. Reach out to a Marty. With Priscilla learning she has cancer. Reach out to a guy like Danny who runs a business who doesn't punch a clock at five o'clock at night and goes home and is done. It's not only struggles, it's other things in life too where we observe, we think about them and care for them. What's it like? And I can mention a number of parents here to have a child Maybe one at home and maybe one that is older that is not real responsive. Observe if you're aware of it and reach out. Well, if they are parented different, things would be different. You don't know that. That's not being very humble and very gentle if we think that way. Just reach out with a deep love and concern. Another possible application. We freely admit our need to change our heart rather than maintaining privacy. Probably better word there would be pride rather than maintaining our pride. So an example... You go through a difficulty, and basically, people are not reaching out to you. I don't know what's wrong with people. They just don't reach out to me. They must not care very much for me. We're supposed to be believers, and they're not reaching out to me. Rather than going down that road, step back and say, why does this bother me so much that people are not reaching out to me? What's going on in my heart? What's this showing me about my heart? Am I seeking fulfillment from what people, or how people respond to me, rather than from Christ? You as a parent, and some of you have more difficulties than others, but all of us as parents have gone through some difficult times and the ones I'm thinking of now are those that may have a children, whether younger or adult, that are not really where you would desire them to be. You sometimes just feel like grabbing them, <laughs> slapping them a few times and say, Wise up! 
Maybe you've done that. (laughs) Step back and say, God, why do I have this intense feeling? Am I angry at them? Or am I brokenhearted that they're not drinking water from Christ? See, when we go through the difficulties of life, humility and gentleness, being patient, bearing with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, means sometimes we change our heart. Whether others respond or not, we see it as an opportunity to determine where we're drinking from. Are we angry because something's not going the way we want? Or is it driving us to Christ? We freely admit transformation is lifelong rather than I have arrived. One of the greatest joys of life is to meet an older saint who has been walking with God for many years. And you as a person who is maybe 30 or 40 or 50 years younger are able to give them some counsel because they're willing and open to learning. I think one of the greatest joys, and whether you, those of you who are older than me agree with me or not, is beside the point right now, of getting older is to realize how much more we need Christ. How much more we need others that we don't have our act together. But we realize we've come a long way. But we realize we don't ever act together and we need others in our lives. I ask counsel much, much more than I did 40 years ago or even 30 years ago. I'm much more open to encouragement than I would have been 40 years ago. I covet rebuke. I covered advice much more than I did years ago. Because when I was younger, there was a degree of pride and arrogance, and I can handle life. I look back in the first couple years of our marriage, and I think, why was I so dumb? Why didn't I go to some older man and say, help me, teach me how to love my wife? Now I'm at the point in life, I want to go to some old older and say, Tell me how to love my wife as we age. <laughs> but you know, we, we admit transformation is lifelong. We don't arrive. Well, I'm, not, I'm 40 now. I'm 60 now. I'm 80 now. No, we grow. We mature. It's a lifelong process. The need to be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, making every effort to... Keep the unit to the Spirit. Someone speaking the truth to us or are speaking the truth or doing works of ministry doesn't stop at a point in time. It's lifelong. Those of you who are 
over 65, would you say, Pastor, you're on target? That transformation is lifelong. If, it is, if you agree, raise your hand so that other, those of us younger can see that. No, it's not something that just happens. That's part of the one another's. We'll cover one more and then we'll wrap it up. We allow Christ to transform us in our circumstances rather than a change in our circumstances. In life, we so often want our circumstances to change. And it may be good for a circumstance to change. But many times God just wants us to learn to depend on him and let others minister to us and we minister to others in our present circumstances. And let God change us. Now think about a circumstance you're in that you might really want to change. And you run from that. Or maybe a relationship and you run from that. And you go to something else. If you didn't walk with Christ in the previous circumstance, it's going to be much more difficult to walk with Christ in the present circumstance. That's why we need to be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and speak the truth to one another that we can flourish where we are rather than demanding a new situation. And a new situation may be in order, but experience Christ in the present situation. As we live out Ephesians 4, as we think about some practical applications as we have interacted this morning, how has the Lord spoken to you? Are you willing to say, Lord, I want to obey? I want to apply in my life for your glory and for the well-being of the body of Christ. That's your choice. I can't make a choice for you. You can't make one for me. But as a body, let's be responsive to Christ as our head. Let's pray together. Father, we know that living in sensitivity to you is daily, moment by moment. We thank you for placing us in the body of Christ. As we live out the one another's of Scripture, being humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, striving to maintain the unity of the Spirit, and so on. We know that that requires a deep dependency upon you. We want to live in that way, Father. 
for your glory. May we be willing to let go of our past and how we may have blown it along the way and glory in the present because you're at work in us as we seek to be a body and minister to one another. Thank you for the way you have worked in us and the way you will continue to work, Father. For your glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.